It's Dana Malstaff from Boss Mom. And if you're looking to build an amazing, thriving community that also helps you grow your business, then you should be listening to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach, and I believe that building a brand that matters is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. We have another interview show for you today. We are talking to Dana Malstaff of Boss Mom. That's boss-mom.com. This is basically a community-based business. Boss Mom is a 50,000-plus person Facebook group. And uh, a little bit about Dana, and because we're going to be talking about how to build community and how to grow Facebook groups like that. Uh, Dana wrote her first book in 2015 called Boss Mom. The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro, and launched this movement that she started where she brings you know, business owners, moms together to talk about business, how to grow their business the right way, how to nurture leads, how to build awareness in your business, how to you know, do all those things you need to make sure your business is running smoothly. But what we brought from a marketing perspective today was how do you build that community that's behind her business? How do you get into a situation where you can build a, a group on Facebook that is alive, that is being nurtured, that the community is leading the conversation, that is active in a good way? It's not spam. It's not negative. It is just a positive place for an for actual community of people, of like-minded people to get together and share their thoughts and grow together. How do you manage that many people, 50,000 plus people in a Facebook group? And it's not easy, but you know that's what we talk about today is how do you build a community like that? How do you even, if you're building your first community, how do you get started? How do you find people to join your group? What kind of posts do you post in the group to keep people engaged? And all of that is in the interview in today's show. And I'll tell you, I had a pleasure talking to Dana and I hope you guys learn as much as I did. Definitely one that I'm going to go back to and take notes on. So without further ado, check out my interview getting going right now. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, Dana Malstaff, to the show. Thank you for being here. First and foremost, let's get that out of the way. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm super pumped about our conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there right now looking to grow their business, grow their customer base, their list. And there's many ways to do that, including through building community, which I love. But you let's let's start there because for you you've done this you've you've managed to you know i'd say beat the odds and create something that not a lot of people can attest to which is a large community of people in the tens of thousands last time i checked above 50,000 people in this community why is building community i'd love to start with this why is it such an effective approach in growing your business well i would say business is people right i mean you if nobody's buying your stuff then you just have a hobby right so it really, community is there whether you choose to manage it and cultivate it or not. 
if you're not cultivating community, then the places where you're getting clients means that you're doing ads or traditional, more traditional marketing, you know, and, and digital marketing and all of those things. That's not bad. But I say, I'm, I tell people I'm inherently lazy. So, you know, which is a little bit of a joke. I think I work, I work my butt off, but only, only as much as I have to. If I don't have to, I don't want to, right? Which is, if I don't have to work 14 hours, I'm not going to work 14 hours. So when it comes to community, you can leverage other people to be your marketing and your sales force while also lifting them up at the same time and creating a really fruitful space for everybody, which to me makes it more effective, more cost effective and and more fruitful and impactful. It does take a little bit more mental strength, I think, to be a leader, but I would I would challenge anybody who wants to be the CEO of a company should try to be able to run a community because if you plan on having employees, you are running a community there, right? You run a community of your neighborhood. You run it there's all sorts of instances where you have opportunities to lead. And I think the test of growing something beautiful like a community can not only change how meaningful you feel like your life is, but it can grow your business at the same time and give you invaluable skills for, you know, as you're getting older and wiser and realizing that we're all people running around, bumping into each other sometimes. And, and the more you can guide that in a really meaningful way, the, I think the, the better we all are. And I think the more successful we'll be. I like that. I mean, the idea that when you think of them as a community, not as just customers, sometimes it's more like, I might be getting a lot out of like from them as well. Like it's a give and take and it's, it becomes a relationship. I'm learning from them. They're learning from me. I'm trying to help them, you know, and vice versa. And they might be more apt to help you and serve you and preach you your word to the God, to the choir, because it's like, I support this person in general, not just the business, but the person. Yeah. Well, and, and also I think it's important too, that everybody should recognize that being an entrepreneur, making content, putting things out there, staying up till the middle of the night, recording podcasts, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And let's be honest, half the time we're thinking about that Netflix show that we wish we were binging right now, or we want to be taking a nap or you know, hanging out with our family or whatever it is, but we are drawn to create, to solve problems. That's hard. We also are very rarely surrounded by all of the right people that make us feel loved. In fact, even our kids and our spouses half the time aren't good at making us feel loved and probably us the same way there because we all get into a logistical rut of like, I've got to run things. I've got to do things. I've got to get this podcast out. I've got to take my kids to school. And so what we find is we are just burning the candle. We're just, it's not even at both ends. You're just burning the candle and it's getting lower and lower and lower, which means that a lot of people just give up or they don't grow something the way they could, or they don't make the revenue that they for the freedom that they want, or whatever that is, when we start to build a community, then we find fruitfulness outside of just the revenue. But it also feeds the revenue as well, because you get what I call an appreciation loop, right? I, if I want every single week for it, more than one person to message me and say, this is exactly what I needed this week. This is exactly the training or the permission or the care or somebody listening to me that I needed. And this is, I needed that help to get those two extra followers because it was meaningful for them. And, and I think when we start to see that, that appreciation loop come back, then we start to feel fulfilled in not just the fact that we made good content and we're smart people solving problems and doing things and growing revenue, but we're actually impacting other people by what we do. And that's why I'm always baffled when people don't ask for testimonials or ask for people to tell you, like if someone messages me, replies to one of my auto emails, and they say, oh, I just want to tell you, I'm excited to be in the community. Or they tell me a fun fact about them because that's one of the emails we sent. 
I 100% of the time email them back and I'd say, yeah, I'm excited about this. By the way, how are you liking our membership? By the way, what is your favorite part or least favorite part about the group and how can we improve or what, or what are we doing that you love? And the, the, the replies I get back and the messages I get are the fuel that I need to stay up till two in the morning sometimes and get that one thing done or to go that extra mile when I don't have to for the community. And those are the things that create loyalty, but they also create loyalty for you in your own business. Because let's, let's be honest, I love dating analogies, but man, we cheat on our businesses all the time. And it's just because we're not committed in a lot of ways because it's not loving us back, right? A community is a way to help us create a business that loves us back and makes us feel all valuable. And I think we should not discount how much of our emotions and our brain drives our ability to be productive. Well, and I think that that reward system will keep you going when things get hard. And I want to get to the how to start and all that, those tips that people are going to be like, this is the person I, I want to get this from. Before we get into that, because you did mention the difficulty of, of doing this, because it's not easy. And it, but see, the idea of community is not new. Facebook groups are not new. But still, many people have created them and, and just left them because they didn't, they didn't work for them. Some people haven't even been exposed to a Facebook group experience that has been good. But, you know, not, not even great, just good. Why are Facebook groups so difficult or just groups in general, communities in general, so difficult to create successfully for so many of us? Well, I, here, here's the thing. When, okay, as entrepreneurs, and not everybody's an entrepreneur, so I think it's naturally how we think as humans, but, but especially entrepreneurs, they're like, I am a solopreneur, which is, should not be a prideful comment, by the way, right? Like you don't want to be a solopreneur. You want a team. You want to be good at what you're good at and then uh, and delegate and other people that are good at what, what they're good at. You want to be have a team mentality. That's the be- like every movie you've ever watched where somebody tries to do it alone and they fail. And the lesson is count on your team members, right? So the idea, I think what we do is we have this chip on our shoulder and we go, oh, well, I'm going to, I am the end all be all. I am the leader. I am the top. I'm going to, you know, so what people do is they go into a group and they go, I'm going to approve everybody you know, posts so that I can make sure it's good. And I'm going to train all the time so that I can make sure they're learning from me. And I think what, what community has to be is you take yourself out of the center. Like the moment you've created a community is the moment that it doesn't need you anymore. Now it wants you around because you're a good leader, right? And if it doesn't want you around, then that's a whole different ballgame that you should consider. But there, there are like most of the time when you build the right kind of community, it is not about you teaching them. It is not about you disciplining them, right? It is about creating safe and logical boundaries so that they have freedom to play, so that they wake up in the morning and whenever it's, if it's a running club, you know, Facebook group, that you're the place they think of when they go to think of like, I need a new pair of tennis shoes, or I just did this great run, or I'm having a challenge with, you know, shin splints or something like that, that you're the group they go into because they know what they're getting out of it. They know what they can and can't do in that group. They feel safe because you are protecting them in that space. Like they did a study where they brought a bunch of uh, dogs with their owners to a park and it had, it was just a completely open space and the dogs did not leave the humans, right? They did a different, they took them to the same park, but they put up a fence and the dogs played all over the place, right? When we give great boundaries, we think we're like keeping rules and, oh, it's going to be bad. But what you do is you create freedom for people because they know very clearly what they can and can't do. And then those people start policing for you in a way or monitoring for you, maybe is a better word, monitoring for you because they want to keep that place safe too. They want to keep the culture. And now and I have somebody who just started this in their group, this, ta- this way of like setting the right kind of rules 
making sure there's good boundaries and really clear to everybody and then helping teach everybody how to not teach them your, your expertise, but teach them how to follow these rules and what they can do. So we have units that say, hey, you can't you know, post outside articles because that's not really useful and it doesn't get engagement. And you can't do these certain things, but you know what you can do? Ask these kinds of questions and support in this kind of way. And the, the person that uh, just messaged me that said, hey, she got our little course on how to start a Facebook group, started to go through it. She put, and she said, just putting in the rules and she has a couple thousand people in her group. She's like, our engagement is up 50%. And now people are starting to flag things that don't fit. And so now because people aren't seeing the wrong things all the time and then thinking that's what they should be doing, then you can, then people are starting to post the right things and people will follow what other people are doing. So when you get the right posts getting posts, other people start posting the right things. And then it becomes this engine that goes. And once you start to really understand how to create the right kind of engagement in your group, Facebook deals up to us about 80 people per day. So 80%, we get about 100 people per day asking to join the group. 80 people per day are given to us free recommended from Facebook because we're looked at, we're seen as popular. Of course, you want to join this group. This joint, We have 70% of the 50,000 people in our group are engaged every single month. Wow. We get about 5,000 posts, about 200,000 comments. Yeah, I, I mean, you've obviously created something very special there. And I like the idea of, of boundaries. And I, I like to think of it as intention, right? Like you're setting the intention for the group. And, and just, I've seen this with creative a lot because I've been in marketing for a long, long time. And if, with creative too, it's like if you create a completely white canvas, like the creatives have no idea what to do with it. But if you, you know, create, this is what we're trying to accomplish. Like this is the intention. Like you need to design a billboard. There's these, in these parameters. It has to fit in this thing. And whatever the, the more the parameters you give, the intention you set, allows people to say, okay, I can, no, I can be creative within this. I totally agree with that. Uh, and I love the idea that, that that is how a community works as well, like setting the intention. But I also like the idea that that can change. You know, as you're listening and you're, you're working within it, like an example I have is I, was, you know, I go to a, a parking lot that I park in to go to the movie theater and I have to pay. And it's like the employees are given rules that they have to follow. But like for the one person that like forgot their wallet or whatever, you know, like would have to go and repark and go across the street to get an ATM and come back, you have to give some kind of flexibility so that the average person is like, I just needed a break today, or I just needed you know, this to change for right now for you know, what's happening, whatever it is. So I, pre- I think there's got to be some flexibility in that too. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why when we, when we look at content we keep versus not keep, we'd actually had a conversation, I don't know, about six months ago with my team that I said, I, I feel like our, our admin group is kind of deleting to delete. We've gotten a little delete happy. And then, you know, and that, and that did end up, it ended up coming to a place where there, that was an issue. Like people don't like their stuff being deleted and you need to be able to explain to them why. And so we started to create this space that is, okay, if somebody's got something, but it's on the cusp of something, or it's really fun. Like somebody, we don't allow people to do intro posts for us because we have 50,000 people. It's a hundred people a day. Like they would just, it would be insane. So we don't allow it. But one person was really creative with it. And she just had this little, she did this little like dance while she was in there and it was just, and I just, I wrote in the comments, I was like, I, we nor, just so everybody knows we don't allow intro posts, but I have to keep this because I'm so entertained by it that I, <laughs> you get a pass. And so I always tell everybody like, if you do it well enough, we will, we will let it go in there. And we take case by cases of, you know, is something, do we keep it? Do we not? Does it count? And we have those discussions and people ask me, yeah, but isn't that, isn't, isn't that exhausting? And the answer is absolutely not. I mean, every once in a while, maybe, but absolutely not. Because if you're the dictator of a group where you're the one that has to post and you're the one that has to train in order and get engagement, that's exhausting. 
if I have to look like a teacher would at what people are creating and make decisions about, you know, what we're going to do with it, celebrate it, delete it, let them know, try and guide them and teach them. Like that's what a leader does. And that is very fruitful because sometimes I'll message somebody and be like, Ooh, we totally don't allow this, but here's another way you could do it. People have messaged me and said, Dana, I got this thing deleted. How do I make it better? And I openly give them my time and it's very fruitful. So it doesn't feel taxing when the goal isn't simply just to regulate, but the goal is to facilitate and help people grow while you grow. And every time we have any upset in the group, right? It is a, is a learning opportunity. It is not bad. It is a learning opportunity. Anytime there is a, you know, an upheaval or a concern or a trend or something like that, and it feels disruptive, it is always an opportunity. And I, like, I think everybody should think of it like that. Disruption is an opportunity. And so for those of us that look at dis- of disruption as chaos and disarray, and we don't know what to do with it, and everything must be falling down, so I'm going to go you know, and burn it all to the ground, that's the wrong way of looking at anything, right? Because we're all going to fail as entrepreneurs, probably like weekly, right? We've all had a launch that went bust. Like we've all had a, a collaboration we thought was going to be the thing and then it yielded absolutely nothing. Like we've all had that piece of content or that podcast that we thought was brilliant and nobody gave a crap. We've all had that. Same in community. Like there is always opportunity for failure and disruption. And what we, if we see those as opportunities, then growing a community and growing your business will always feel fruitful because it's like a growing pain that helps you get better and helps you get taller, proverbial taller, you know? And I think that's how we need to look at it. Yeah. And I, I think the intention's right there. And it's, for me, the reason I've, like, I've joined Facebook groups and then I've had to just leave them because there aren't rules in place. There aren't any boundaries. The intentions aren't helping the community. In other words, I see spam everywhere. I see intro posts everywhere. And all of it is, there's a lot of people who are just trying to use it as a business tool. It's like, this is, I'm going to be talking about the thing that I'm selling. I'm going to post an ad. And it's like living in a neighborhood with, with like billboards on your, on your neighborhood street. Like you don't want to see that or graffiti on the walls or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, you want to live in a place where there's people like, you know, throwing things at you or whatever the thing is like creating a safe place to your point, I think is important. So I've been in groups where there's, there's too much like freedom to just curse people out and too much freedom to attack or too much freedom to, you know, uh, post ads and spam. So I, I appreciate that there's, that you're looking to curate a, a, a different type of place, but that's gotta be difficult. So I, I appreciate the work you're putting in there. It's, it's not, I, I tell you this though, like the, the, how we tell people how to do is, is way less difficult than you would think. And, and here's the thing, even if you didn't put all of those rules in place, because most people are like, don't spam. If, if people are spamming all over the place, that's because they made the group and nobody's watching it. Right. So you've got to have, and it doesn't cost a lot. You can actually have it, the members watching it for you. There's a, there's a methodology. It's, it's way easier than you think. Here's the biggest thing I think, and this is from business marketing and everything. I'm sure you see this all the time. People are confusing the market. If you walked up to a restaurant and it just said some food on the front, right? You would be like, well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm craving. I was kind of craving Italian. Is there Italian in this restaurant? I'm not sure, right? Like if you were walking up to a clothing store and it just said stuff for people, you'd be like, hmm, does that, is that my style? We don't know. There are groups everywhere that they may have named their group right, but their content in no way makes it clear what people are going to get or what they're going to do in the group. So they don't know, you know, if you have a, a health and wellness group for women, right, then, then do you want to be the kind of place that has reviews? Do you want to be the kind of place where they find content, where they tell you what their favorites are, where they're, they commiserate over things? Like 
what kind of, we want to be a think tank. So it's like, hey, you have nowhere else to market research better than you have here in this space with these women. And I think that's helpful to ask those questions. But if people don't know, then, and even if you're in a group that's not yours, I just popped up a profile that I thought was interesting of a girl in a group that made an interesting comment. I wanted to look more into her. I popped it up and I looked at the, the comments that she'd done in your group because it shows you everything they've posted for the last six months. And I could not tell from anything she posted or any question or any comment she had what her business was and what she was good at. I had no way of knowing. Everything was so across the board on the way she was asking her questions. I had no idea. If you're in another group doing that, you are confusing the market and you're never going to become micro-famous in any space where it actually becomes beneficial for you to be engaging in that group from a business standpoint. And if your group goes in and it is not wildly clear once they get in, the kinds of things that are okay to post and the, the kind of interaction is and the kind of questions that people are asking, then they're going to be confused. So what they're going to do is they're going to close that group like the rest of us. We're going to go make dinner and then they're going to go through their life and have forgotten you because nothing is going to jog their memory to go, I need to ask that in this group because this group is the place to ask that thing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And well, kind of goes down the right path of where I, was, where I was hoping to take this, which is sweet. A lot of people are trying to like figure out, well, how do I create the right group? And, you know, like figure out like the right people that are supposed to be in it. Cause like, a lot of us that are starting business, like that's, what's the intention is like, well, I want to support a community, but yeah. it's a business. And I don't like, is it just, just bring entrepreneurs in. It's going to, you know, it becomes like a random group of people. And maybe my, my cousin too, cause I just need to fill it with 10 people first. So it doesn't look empty. Right. There's these bad habits. Uh, maybe you wouldn't call it that, but how do you approach creating groups and even like the naming part of it, you know, like finding the right, like what's this group about and then naming it. I know I'm sure you've helped people with this. So like, give us some tips here. Yeah. So there's a couple things. One, naming a group is just, is like the way you would think of SEO for naming a blog or a podcast or anything else. You want to be more functional than clever. In fact, like Stephen King's quote, when my dad was his favorite quote growing up, which is you kill your darlings right? Anything that you think is brilliant, just get rid of it because you're the only one that's going to think it's brilliant, right? And so it's the same thing from like, like word, you use words that people are looking for, that if someone, if it was served up to somebody that they would go, Ooh, that's me, right? So it's smart to have the, like the function of what the, what they would, they would want to know about plus who they are. So for us, boss moms works, because the parenting is, you know, is who they are. And there's someone who's trying to start a business. Now, do we get women who haven't started businesses yet and just think boss moms are cool? Yeah, of course, you're totally going to always get 20% of people that are a horrifyingly terrible fit for your group, but they're going to naturally just go away because they're not going to find value in your group or you're going to, they're going to get kicked out, right? So, so you can't be perfect, but if you are helping agency owners, right, with digital marketing, don't stray too far from telling people in the title that you're a group for digital marketers. <laughs> They're from for agency owners who want to, you know, learn digital marketing. So I think your like functional names are better. They get more people. For instance, I have a, a client who has a group called Motherhood Simplified and she helps declutter, right? And it is a very successful group. And it is, it is clever in a way, but it is simple in the fact that it's easy to tell the, that they are moms. And they want to have less, <laughs> like they want it. They've got to feel all sorts of overwhelmed, right? And it works really well for us. I think naming wise, stay more functional than clever always. And then as far as like when you're getting people into your group, remember that whoever is in your group, Facebook sees those profiles and it algorithm, its algorithm goes, oh, well, if these are the people in the group, then these are the kind of people I should tell about this group. So if you're inviting all of the wrong people just because they're friends to be in your group, 
you're going to perpetuate the wrong people in your group. I would rather you have 10 of the right people and start there than just 10 people. Same thing with your email list. Like, I don't care if you have 2,000 or 100,000 people on your list. If the 2,000 people are the right people, it's always better than 100,000, right? Now, right people, not meaning that they're all buyers from you. I think there's, you know, before we hit record, you know, we're talking about the fact that there is a wide spectrum of what a community, whether it's in your email list, your buyer, like anything is is made up of. And I use a, a system we call the pie of engagement to like explain what that is. But you want to have the kind of people that resonate with you, that believe the same things that you believe. They may be in the different spectrum of where they are in the buying cycle or the engagement cycle, but you need people who believe what you believe and want to be the kind of people that you want, you know, want to be and want them to be. Otherwise, it's not going to resonate. And you can people build their email list and spend a ton of money to have it or build a Facebook group. And then it doesn't serve them. It doesn't help them sell. It doesn't help create engagement. Nobody's happy. You know, you have a bunch of emails that never get opened and nobody wants. And that just causes, you know, people to want to drink more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I know you teach this stuff. And I like the I want to get into the question of how to get more people to opt into your, whatever it is that you have out there that you're building, whether it's community or something else. I know this is something you teach, but first as people are like, I want to just go to her and learn this thing. Where can they find your programs and this kind of stuff that you teach? Yeah. Okay. So boss-mom.com is where you can get all of our stuff. It'll get you to our Facebook group and our podcast and all those things. As far as teaching, we have a really great training and it is basically teaches you our opt-in formula because I get so many people, like if you want to build a Facebook group or a podcast, it doesn't matter what you want to build. Like if you do not know how to get people onto an email list and to nurture them, everybody will tell you, nobody wants this to be the truth, but you got to get people on your email list. And I have a very specific belief on how we create content and how we nurture people into being loyal customers, followers, and sharers of all of our stuff. So we have it, it's at boss-mom.com forward slash opt-in training. And it's, just under 45 minutes. And it gives you the exact step-by-steps, even tells you how to brainstorm the process of exactly what your opt-in is, exactly what it should look like, exactly what it should include, exactly how you then flow them from an opt-in into your email list and what you do with them when they're there, and then what you do with them after, and then how to actually market and get people to view and get that opt-in. So it's a it's pretty extensive. Awesome. So it's boss-mom.com forward slash opt-in training. Opt-in training. That's it. Perfect. Check that out. And let's talk a little bit about the opt-in again. If, you know, if we can steal some of those tips, I mean, they're going to see this in, in the course, but if there's things that you can talk about that maybe you did, or maybe you learned in your experience, what I've been hearing a lot about, maybe you can con- contrast these things, is the idea of leveraging quizzes to you know, get people to answer questions. Uh, Ryan Levesque has a big book called Ask, which is all about building your business around like asking the right questions so you can figure who people are out and then send each individual person the right message for them. How do you go about leveraging, you know, figuring out how to get people to opt in. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's a couple things. First off, most people in their businesses need to keep things as simple as possible, right? So the challenge with quizzes or asking questions, you can send people down all these different journeys is that people then spend all of their time creating content and a million different journeys, and then they never get to the marketing. So as entrepreneurs, we want to get as quickly as we can away from 80% content, 20% marketing to 20% content, 80% marketing. Right. And that's just, that's just it. 80% of your time until you're an entrepreneur that can either hire somebody to do this or for you to spend 80% of your time being visible, building authority and getting people into your working funnels or spaces, then you're just not going to be able to scale or grow the way that you want. Right. So that, so, so the idea of like creating all of these unique journeys 
can be great if you have a seven-figure business, but for most people, just create one journey is my, just create one journey. Now, quizzes can be really useful. I tell, this is what I tell people. A quiz is the red dress. Don't make your opt-in the quiz. There's very, 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 very few instances where at the end of a quiz, you require an email address to get the results and it's worth giving you the email address just to get the results. If you're gonna use a quiz as an opt-in, then what you're not using it as an opt-in, you're using it as a, as a teaser, right? So what you do is you ask these questions. At the end, you give them their result with a little bit of a teaser of what that result means. And then you present them with the opt-in to get a more in-depth training or knowledge about what that is or how to leverage it, right? So if you were gonna teach them about like, you know, what... Um, which uh, level of Facebook ads they need, right? Then at the end, you go, well, you need a tier two Facebook ad spend of $1,000. Now, if you'd like me to show you how to how exactly to create ads at this level with this budget, then you can come here to this opt-in and then the opt-in can lead you to all sorts of other things you can sell them. So I say quizzes are fine, but, but you have to have like a stellar freaking quiz for them to give you their email address to actually get the answer. People get pissed off nowadays if they've taken a quiz and at the end, they don't get to know what the result is unless you give them an email address. <laughs> you know, that's, so I'd say just be careful about that. And if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to create a quiz just to create a quiz, be really careful because then you're spending time on a quiz when you have to have an opt-in anyway, right? So that's, that's my thing on that. Always ask questions, but you can ask questions in a Facebook group, either yours or someone. I always tell people, if you don't have your own community, become micro-famous in somebody else's. Like that's how all... And I, I suggest you do that first and then you, and then you bring everybody over to, to your space. But in there, that's where you do all your market research. You want to... you know, I, uh, The girl I was talking about who has Motherhood Simplified, she went into our group and she said, hey, for everybody here, who here is a mom, right? But doesn't want... Or who, is, who wants to be considered a, a declutterer, but doesn't want to be considered a minimalist. She had 450 comments of just rich information about how people feel about the words declutter versus minimalist and how they associate them. It was a, it was a marketing like gold mine of content for her to use in all sorts of places. Just one question in someone else's group. So you can find groups where you can leverage those questions. When it comes to opt-ins, what people want is they want their lives to be easier right? Don't make opt-ins that are a workbook that are, you know, this extensive course that this is big thing. People don't have time for big things. I wish we all just had a bunch of free time to do whatever we wanted. But most of us, especially those of us that have kids, right? We have no time. We, we, it's all going by way too, fast, way too fast, not enough hours in the day. So do things that make people's lives easier, right? And I tell people, what is your formula? What is your, think of all the words that you think are really cool that you go, it's a roadmap, it's a formula, it's a, you know, it's a system, it's a whatever it is. Think of the thing. And if you go, well, I don't know what my formula or my system or my whatever is, well, then that's your first thing. How can you be giving an opt-in that leads to, uh, you know, other things in your business and be selling consulting or courses or whatever, if you don't know what your methodology is? So the first part of an opt-in is what's your methodology? What is your system? What's your way of getting somebody from point A to point B? Now, as an opt-in, you want to say, okay, if I'm getting them from point A to point B, where is the best point to get them in so that I can sell them into getting them to point B, right? And a lot of times that's either at the beginning or if it's not at the beginning, then it's how do I give them a view, of the, uh, like a bird's eye view of the entire system so that I can, you know, so that I can then eventually sell them how I, like the, the detailed steps of how I'm doing that system. So like Amy Porterfield a long time ago, I remember way back in the day, I got her a podcast that said she had an opt-in and it was her entire project plan for that they used 
to launch her webinar. So I, I'm a smart cookie. So I'm like, well, I'll just get that and I won't need anything, right? Well, it was like 45 pages long. She basically just exported out her thing. I could decipher like 25% of it. I was like, in order to do this, I'm going to have to read a scrum book. I'm going to have to like all these things. So I, have, I got her her webinar and I bought her darn webinar course, you know, back in the day. That's the thing is she gave me... So, so for us, our first opt-in was a tra- opt-in for our Trello training. So all I did was I had managed our business through Trello, which is a project management tool. I went behind the scenes and I walked everybody through the exact train, like exactly how we use our boards. And then I told them, come behind the scenes and I will show you how to actually be able to run a business while you have a tiny baby in your house in less than 10 hours. Like I will show you behind the scenes of how this process works. Worked like gangbusters. And then we made our, I call it an easy yes, but it's generally called a tripwire said, well, let me just give you our Trello templates. And then your life is even easier. And it went off, off to the races. And the the big thing is, is that if you think you're going to make a checklist, if you're going to just throw something up and get people on your list willy nilly and not care about it, that's like going out on a date and not shaving your legs and looking all disheveled and not, you know, and just throwing something on and then being like, well, you know, I mean, if it's, if, if we're soulmates, it, it's meant to be. No, first impressions are important, right? Figure out what your formula is. If you don't talk to somebody and like think through what the heck A are you taking them from A to B? Think of where in the process you are going to start or if you need to give them an overall view on what that looks like, that you're only giving them something that makes their life easier. So if you're creating content for the sake of content and saying, well, they'll want this, but you haven't thought through how it's easily digestible and how they're going to actually be able to implement it quickly because they haven't paid for a big course. They've just, they just want, they want an immediate result from you. So make it as quick as possible. Make sure it's, it's enough that it's going to make them want a second date with you right? They have a choice. You are sitting in a big bar with a bunch of people and there are a lot of other people that tried a lot harder, you know, that are trying, trying really hard to look good and be amazing. You do not have to be their first choice, but you want to end up being the best choice they've ever made. And, that, and that's what you have to think about is what is that journey you're going to create for people? And then how are you going to become irreplaceable once it's all said and done? And that gives you a fighting chance at least. Absolutely. I want to, as we're coming towards the end here, I want to be able to give people some of the things to post in the community that makes it feel like a community where that, that hands over the reins to the people themselves. Before that, if I can just squeeze one thing out of you, it would be if I'm trying to find people to put into the community, like say, I'm like, okay, maybe there's a couple of groups I know that there's like, my people are here. How do you introduce yourself to them? How do you introduce your, your world to them? I will tell you what we are doing right now is the number one best marketing technique that you can do right now, which is go get interviewed, go get featured. I'm t- I'm, I mean, ever since I wrote the Boss Mom book back in 2015, my very first hire was somebody for two hours a week to pitch me. I have consistently been on at least one, most often two interviews per week for the last six years. If you go to like page 15, when you Google my name, it is still interviews I'm on. That is it. I can trace back more money I have made in my business from the consulting side off of interviews I've been on. It is that stop doing anything else. Like you are posting all over the place. You're you're blogging every week and doing all these things, right? To an audience that doesn't exist. Go out and get featured. Because also you're going to, like I was talking about with your opt-in, like if you have to to figure out what your formula is, like what's your stand for, like I I make people map out what are your key opinions that make you you um, when it comes to what you're trying to do in the business or how you want the world to work. 
Like if you don't know those things and you can't get somebody saying yes to interviewing you, then how do you think you're going to get a bunch of people to say yes to buying from you, right? So it's a good first test that if you can't, if you can't figure out a good enough pitch to get on shows and then do that. Like if you get pitched and then you create the engaging questions, we'll just, we'll talk about in a minute and you're, Facebook, theoretically, you don't even have to have an opt-in. We get a thousand people a month into our email list from our Facebook group for free, right? Now, granted, it has taken me a while to build that up. But even if I've had clients that have gone and said, I've got 300 members and I'm starting to now get 10 people a week and I'm getting five to seven people a week entering my email list and it used to be zero, that is a growing email list. And the more you do it, the more momentum you go, like a snowball down a hill, it just starts to grow on its own. So yeah, I'd say... I'd say, get on it, people. Get on it. <laughs> I like that because it kind of aligns with my, I'm like, my whole thing is you have to use your voice to find your voice. So if Absolutely. you're creating your own show, you kind of, you learn those things that you like to say, and then you can easily pivot that to, I'm going to go on other people's shows because now I've got, gotten into the practice of using my voice and kind of finding what I'm all about. So I think that's great advice. Yeah. And I want to say this too. So you said uh, you want to, uh, you basically have to use your voice to find your voice, right? And I tell people there's clarity in the doing right? You and I have a very, it's basically the same thing, but we say it a different way and it's your thing and it's my thing, even though it's based around the same concept. That's what people need to do. You need to have a series of those, a series of your quotables, a series of your, that was like, you want to be micro famous, become quotable. Like if you can't be clear on what you're talking about, then you're not quotable. You've got to get interviewed five or 10 times before anything comes out of your mouth that is succinct. So get on those five or 10 times so that 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, all of a sudden you have absolute clarity and you're able to, so I love it. It's, it's, it makes, I just wanted to stop for that example because it's a perfect example of how it doesn't, you, you're not reinventing the wheel guys, but you're finding a better way to say it that fits with you authentically. And we probably both listened to Marie Forleo who says everything's figure outable, but she also says clarity comes through action, not through strategy or thinking or whatever it was. So it's all the same thing. You got you to start doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think there is a, I've, uh, you know, basically there is a finite number of ingredients in cooking, yet there's an infinite number of recipes and there's a finite number of colors, yet an infinite ability to create art, right? It's the same thing with entrepreneurship. We're all working with the same ingredients, y'all right? You just got to find your unique recipe of how you're doing it. And that makes you unique. Like for anybody who has imposter syndrome, right? Just recognize that you may be using some of the same ingredients and we all may be saying a lot of similar things, but you're saying it in a unique way. And the people that follow you need to hear it from you, not somebody else, not somebody 10 feet ahead of you and not even the person that's in proximity to you. Like if you do it right, then you don't have competitors in the way you think you do because it's going to be so clear to them that they don't just want to learn the skill. They want to learn the skill from you. Now, I want to give people kind of a teaser here because there are you do this all the time. You have great ideas on what you can post in a community to keep them active. I don't want you to give all of them because I think they need to Google you, go to your site, listen to your stuff and get the full recipe. But if you could pick, highlight like two or three of like your favorite things to post in a group that gets them to engage. Maybe you can give us a couple examples. I can. I have, I have an exact list of such things. <laughs> My favorite thing to do is templatize stuff. So, okay. Number one, because uh, there are a set of kinds of posts that you can do. And um, okay. So number one is going to be uh, your prompt posts. Prompt posts, if you have your own group and your own space, are great. A lot of other Facebook groups will allow you to do them. So it just depends on their rules. But this is a great way to... So a prompt is something that simply prompts people to answer in a way they can't really help themselves, right? 
So for instance, asking that question of like, if you had, you know, $100, what would you do with it? Or if you had $5,000, right? To me, that's that's generally really broad. So you want to ask prompts that are are unique to your space, but a really simple ones like we do because our group is big enough. If you have a business group, a simple prompt may be everybody who has a Facebook group, share it below, right? And for us, that's really useful because we say, by the way, if you're trying to grow yours, you don't have those, go buy our course. So we're able to simultaneously give everybody a space to, to share their stuff while also promoting us. Now, here's the awesome part about all the, the kind of posts I'll, I talked to you about is a couple things. Number one, if I just do a post that says, I've got this course, you should go buy it, right? Two comments, it dies just a slow, sad, unmemorable death, right? Because it's not trending. It's not, nope, there's not a lot of people that see it. If I do something that gets everybody to engage, so I give them a little bit and they give me a little bit, which is I get to tell them about my Facebook course and I give them the space to be visible and share their Facebook groups or their Instagram page or their Facebook page or their LinkedIn or their Twitter or whatever it is, or their YouTube channel or their book they wrote, right? Then in that space, then all of a sudden they're posting and commenting. And because they're doing that, every time someone comments, it pops it back up to my feed. It pops it back up to my feed. So now once that starts happening, then the Facebook algorithm goes, this post is popular. I'm not only going to keep it at the top of the feed, I'm going to start telling more people in this group that this post happened, right? So all... And then what you do is you build up the algorithm. And then you uh, the idea that if you don't use it, you lose it is actually really relevant in Facebook and other social media platforms. Because if you are... Like I haven't been on social media very much for the last two weeks, um, really in deep content mode and reflection mode. Last time I posted two weeks ago and I posted a uh, our collaboration Thursday, which is kind of like a prompt for us, uh, I think it was uh, like two, 300 people within the first 10 minutes had commented. I didn't post for two weeks and I post our collaboration post yesterday and I had seven comments in, in the same amount of time because I have to reestablish myself in the space. Now, I go in and I start systematically every 10 minutes liking one, liking one, liking one, and it builds that algorithm back up. But so prompts are amazing. Things that people can share, social shares. It can be questions about just in general of like, you know, how you feel about cats or dogs, you know, those, those kind of just super easy things, right? Second one is opinions. What are their actual opinions on something? This can be really helpful for you for uh, market research, right? Because you could, an opinion one, we could say, hey, I'm trying to get featured on podcasts. You know, who, what are your favorite podcasts where I could pitch myself? And now everybody's telling you what their favorite podcasts are. Right. And there's a lot of connection and collaboration, but people also know that you're asking to be featured. So now you can go and, you know, you're not pitching yourself necessarily, but there you have people that are going to say, Oh, I want you on my show or you should be on so and so show. You can also do that and say, I've got a podcast. What are the, you know, topics that you want me to talk about? Those kinds of things. So you can have an opinion where you're just asking people to share their opinion on a particular topic. The next one is um, market research or decision support, right? So basically, you need to make a choice in your business, whether it's the cover of cover art of a book or a podcast or uh, anything. Rather, uh, we were doing a flyer and we wanted to tell people about our membership, and we said we're doing a flyer. Which picture should be on the of me should be on the front of the flyer, right? So everybody has an opinion. Don't use polls in Facebook; they're unhelpful to you. So what you do is you say one, two, three you know, or A, B, and C, whichever you want. And then in the comments, they have to answer. Now, it may seem like you can't see what the trends are, but believe me, it's worth you scrolling through it because you can see what they are. And then the people that are answering more than just A, B, or C, they're called super engagers. And those are the people you start conversations with and they become your posters, right? They become the people that are really engaging in the group and it helps you make decisions. I'm always wrong about the picture I should use or the name of the thing or what people want. Even for our opt-in training that I just told you about, 
we went and asked them, do you want me to create a training on how to create an opt-in on how to, um, how to decide on your opt-in, like how to actually physically create the opt-in or how to manage them once they're in your email list. Right. And everybody flat out said, we need to understand how to brainstorm and figure out what our opt-in is because we don't even have that. Right. So it unanimously helped me not make something talking about Ryan, like not make something that people weren't going to like. So decision support is the other one. And then the last one is, I mean, there's a bunch of different kinds you could do, but we do like permission or celebration posts. So permission ones or celebration are like, Hey, you're, you're our people, right? So you could do a raise your hand sort of thing that are like, who are my, you know, who are my moms, right? That are a hot mess at least once a week right? Because you are not alone. We are all a hot mess. And you get amends, you get yes. Like, hey, I just hit this milestone. So instead of me saying I was on the, um, you know, like I was on the social examiner, social media examiner podcast um, or social media marketing, whatever their podcast name is, I was on that instead of just, yeah, instead of just posting on it in my group and saying I was in this podcast, which those get terrible engagement. Like even Jenna Kutcher, when I audited her group on her podcast and we talked about her posts like that, nobody comments on those, even hers. And they're all in there for the podcast, right? But instead I do a post that says, guys, I just hit something on my bucket list. It was my goal when I started my business to be on this podcast. And can I get a celebration? Give me some, like, give me some gifts because I'm about to have a dance party. Hundreds of people commented, right? Because they want to celebrate with you. They want to raise their hand and say, I'm that person. They want to share. They have opinions. They have an opinion about your stuff. When you do those four kinds of posts and you do say, well, like our, our, we have a social calendar that we give everybody, but um, that we basically have six different days that you can do these different ones. We kind of put it in a system to make it easier for everybody. But you can absolutely do a couple of those a week and that's it. And I almost, I don't want to like legally guarantee you, but I pretty much can safely guarantee you that your engagement will a hundredfold because people want to talk to you. They just don't know what you want them to say. And they selfishly want to be a little clever about which gift they picked that they thought was unique and funny and hilarious. Oh, gifts are like as bad as, you know, like binging on a Netflix show. Like I've spent a good 30 minutes to find the perfect gift for a thing. Yeah, it has no real legitimate use except for my joy in searching it. And there are times when you find stuff and it, and then all of a sudden it'll be like, oh my God, it's a princess bride. Now I want to watch the princess bride. And now you're texting your friend from college being like, do you remember that time? And yeah, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> and my advice to the listeners out there, if you're in a relationship, it works every time you start sending like the lamest love gifts to your partner or your wife or whatever the thing is that you have in sequence, as many of them as possible. And it just makes their day because it's lame, but it's showing them that you're thinking of them. Oh yeah. I, I always like the one from, um, from Anchorman where it just says, I want to be on you. Yeah. <laughs> and he says it a couple of <laughs> times. That one's perfect because it's funny, but also a little sexy. And then it's, you know, that's a good way to start. <laughs> yeah. And anything from Mean Girls is usually pretty popular oh, yeah. too, if you're going the other direction. But yeah, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I hope you guys go and dig into the content from Dana on boss-mom.com so you can listen to the rest of the tips on what you can be posting within your Facebook groups, how to grow, how to opt in, get people to, more people to opt into your groups and how to nurture your audience and make them into your people, your community. So thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I know. And I apologize to everybody for being such a fast talker. I get really passionate about everything. And then I'm, I'm the one that everybody says they don't ever have to speed me up when I'm on a show. Oh, no. It's, I, I think it's the more that they have to rewind, the better. It means that you're dropping content and knowledge. And we're going to transcript this anyway. We're going to 
turn this into things that people can read and digest and download and own. So we'll make that convenient. We'll have all your links to the different things that they can get from you as well. So again, thank you for being here today. I think it's super valuable for the guests. So appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.